0: This week's discussion is about risk perception in the mind of the consumer and helping reduce that to increase the sales of your e-commerce site. There's also a free workshop that I'm going to be running next week, and you can see the sign up for that in the show notes. We're going to be going through the whole 20K call model and working out how you can use that in your own e-commerce business. So if you want to see me live uh, going through all the presentations and all the things, then please sign up. And let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm okay. Good. How are you? All right. So a whole day shifted now from being a night owl, because obviously a lot of calls in the UK and I'm in New Zealand, so I was staying up late. And then now it's summer. I'm now getting up really early. And it's a bit of a shock, to be honest. Getting up this yeah. morning, doing a workshop, trying to be say some useful stuff. Particularly in the workshop, you kept telling me I was wrong, and what I was saying was rubbish. Yeah, it didn't help. Um, yeah, you did. You didn't like that. No, that's like well, this is didn't. the you... key point. You, go, I think Mark's, I think Mark's wrong. I think that's rubbish. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh god, Ian, half past six in the morning. Just let me get through this
1: well i felt like you were you were drifting
0: off down a rabbit hole it's ironic you know i thought what i was saying was gold absolutely well, gold
1: sometimes yeah sometimes well i just think i think you, you know the essence is you got to keep it simple stupid yeah and
0: you know don't so go honest, off that's why people too should soon. sign up to our programs so they can they can pay a lot of money to hear us argue with each other each week and yeah um that's that's what people want. Give people what they want. Right. It's like
1: the t- it's like the podcast, but 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 more intense. Yeah, and more uh, rows,
0: more argues. Imagine if we had a live event where we we're there; they could actually see us like fighting in live, like a <laughs> boxing match. <laughs> oh dear! I digress. Anyway, we're doing a podcast today. I've forgotten, that's on risk reversal, wasn't it? Re- re- the perception of risk, reducing the it's, perception of risk. Yeah,
1: it's reducing the perception of risk. And what we mean, we don't mean risk for you as a business owner. We mean risk for the potential customer. Yeah. And yeah. can I just just show where that fits into the flow of e-commerce?
0: And I'm I guess going it. back
1: to the... Well, you know the old five sales people of e-commerce. Yeah. Um, you know it, it it fits in in round about the middle, doesn't it? Now, so if you think about the overall flow of e-commerce, people land on the site, and if you're selling a product that is a lifestyle product, it's about demonstrating desirability. You know, you got you got to you got to you got, got to people have got to want the product. If it's a problem-solving product. Like a car battery, it's about Convincibility, So, you, so for the first like run of the ladder is you've got to you've got to demonstrate desirability or cred or or, or Did I say credibility? I meant It Seems as a test, things. if you were listening, mm. I, can't, I don't know if you heard. Anyway, so then then once people have found the right product and they're happy with the product, uh, then they start to be anxious. And they start to think, well, what's the risks? What could go wrong? You know, do I do I believe that this company can actually do what they're saying? And they, they start to worry about things. And in in a lot of cases, you know, they they can go and buy, this potential customer can go back can, can go and buy from an existing supplier, probably a big, bigger brand, much bigger than you. You know, so you've got to ask yourself, well, why why should I buy? Why should they buy from me? And how can I stop them buying from somebody else? And, you know, before your offer architecture works, before you give them the reason to act now, scarcity, urgency, all those kind of things, you've got to want what to is, what is the customer anxious about? Like, what would stop them buying? What do they worry about? What are they nervous about? You know, and, and in order to answer that question, because there's the normal ones, there's the classic ones around, well, what's the returns policy and... Um, you know, what's the warranty and the guarantee and all those kind of things? But the truth of it is, there, was, there, there it's always one or two specific things for each industry. And once you understand what they are, everything is about perception. Everything in marketing is about the perception. It's how it's how they feel we have addressed it, and how you know what's the perception of it all, mm. and. That's the fa- that's the fascinating thing, and you know, I mean, the next obviously the first step is, is is understanding well what are the anxieties, what are the risk, you know, what do people worry about when they're looking at you for a first time? What, what could go wrong? And the way to do it is going and looking at the reviews of your competitors and yourself when they moan. What do they moan about? That's often what we do. I mean, mm. some cases it's obvious, isn't it? You know, if it's fashion, what's the biggest anxiety? Well, will it fit me? Mm. You know, it, it, you know. So, you know, just talk a bit about how we actually uncover the anxieties.
0: You know, wh- where do we go? What do we do? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, th- th- there's a few. There's a few things, and a, a lot of people say say re- review mining, and we do re- review mining. But what we're looking for for a lot of the time is common phrases that people use. Across the industry when they're unhappy or when they're happy. And that starts to give us an idea of, 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 of what the anxieties are and what they are, you know, what the opposite of them are when they're happy. The other thing is you can look at very successful people in your space who are selling to those customers and look at their oldest adverts. You know, go into Google AdWords, go and use a spy tool, look at the, the adverts that have been running the longest, and you'll start to see things about um, you know, how they're dealing with the anxiety. You know, I think I think probably, you know, if you go and look at one of the most competitive industries, which is like those online ma- mattresses that comes in a box, very high margin product, but, and also very high average order value product, but also very high competitive. So they, they, they kind of like risk, risk obviously buying a mattress is, I'm, I'm not going to like it, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. So if you look at how they've done it, you go and look at the most successful people and they have very strong um, risk reversal, risk perception reducers, which is like try at home for like 200, yeah. 200 days, sleep on it for 200 days if you're not happy a, not happy, get your money back.
1: You know that's a, that's a classic one, isn't it? To understand, you know, why why would somebody not buy this mattress? You know, what would they be worried about? What would they be thinking? What could go wrong? Yeah. And basically, well, what happens if I don't like it? Yeah. You know, what happens if they don't like the mattress? You know, I can't I can't touch it, I can't feel it. I'm buying it online. I not all I've got to go off is evidence that other people like it. And because I don't believe what you're necessarily saying, I, I look for trust and credibility and then look for de-risking it. Yeah. And obviously the de-risking thing about the mattresses is the is the sleep promise, isn't it? And that's a really interesting one, because I remember talking to a client who was selling mattresses and they said that you know, and the new Simba and Emma mattresses and quite a few of these mattress businesses have sprung up in the last probably maybe five, 10 years. And they said that every time now, you know, their 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 actual sleep problems, their returns po- policy is is really, really generous. And, and and every you know year, I think it's got more and more generous. And they said that each time they increased the returns policy the returns percentage actually went down Mm. and the reason they did it the reason why it went down is because when it was 30 days let's say you know try the mattress at home for 30 nights 30 sleeps you know and if you you know if you don't like it at the end of that 30 nights you can send it back well what happens at the end of that 30 days when you're getting close to that 30 days you become anxious about the return. i've got to we've got to send it back we've only got another day we better make the decision. I'm really not sure about this mattress, but also so they've got to get
0: they they've got to they've got to sleep on something. So there's friction now They kind of go, well, I'm not sleeping on this. I've got to sleep on something else. What we're we going to do? Even if they're going to yeah, get, get the money use. back, there's friction. Yeah, now. and I think and so that's, that's the key well, thing. I'm, Sorry,
1: I'm what I was say. just saying. And, that, and then when they when they turned it for to to sixty days, all of a sudden, you know, the returns it's spread out. You're not you're not anxious about the return because you know you've got ages to return it. So two things happened. Number one, if people tended to return the mattress, they tended to do so really quickly, like within the first fourteen days. Mm. You know, and so it's money for nothing because you know the, the difference between you know a thirty-day, sixty-day, one hundred-eighty-day, three-six-five days. Basically, if they were going to return it, they were going to do so really quickly. So by by by, you know, what better way of de-risking it and demonstrating? You know, amazing convincibility. it just have this ridiculously long returns policy and it's it's money for nothing yeah because two that's... things a if they were going to return it they returned it quite quickly if they and if and if they the longer they added it to the returns date the, the
0: more convincibility they gave yeah people. that's key two things to understand is first of all what perception of uh, risk is there, and then what actual returns happen so in the business I'll always ask well, what is the returns rate and they'll go oh it's really low and what's your returns policy now and they go oh well it's fourteen days and well, what happens if someone wants to return it after fourteen days oh we, we, to, to be honest we'll just we'll honor it anyway and we'll we'll give them a, re- a return so basically you'll end up having the worst uh situation where you've got a really good returns policy that you actually uh, honor, even, even more than what you've got. But you're actually presenting to the, to the potential buyers to say it's bad. You're actually saying that, no, 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 you can't return it. It's not, it's not good. So what you'll find in any business or any e-commerce business is that the profile of returns will always look a certain way. It, like with the mattresses, if someone wants to return a mattress, they're going to do it within the first five to 10 days because they'll know that they hate the mattress. They'll just hate it. It's very unlikely that they're going to sleep on it for like three months and then decide that they just suddenly don't like it. It's just not really how it works. But, and there's, and there's a real, there's a a real anxiety amongst
1: business owners where they think, Oh my God, you know, we couldn't possibly take that, take that risk, you know, to have that long returns policy, you know, people, could people could sleep on it for six months and then send it back. People could like rent a house and they could, they could, you know, and you know, you know what? You always, you know, you'll always get one or two people trying it on. You know, yeah. inevitably. But, but the benefit is, you, you you generally customers are generally pretty well behaved, and you will get much more out of the tank. Yeah. You know, you'll get much more return if you if you think about it from an much overall perspective. much more,
0: much more uh, conversion you,
1: rate, higher conversion rate. Sorry, I mean, yeah, I mean, I meant return on the investment because yeah. I was about to say the reason why. Mark and I talk about uncovering the anxieties and de-risking it for the consumer is that we know that it gives us a better conversion rate. We can recruit more customers for the same budget. So our ROAS goes up because simply we've de so it's, it's, it and it doesn't actually increase the returns rate. So when also, you're more generous it, with your returns rate, it doesn't actually physically manifest itself in an increased returns rate. What it does is it gives confidence
0: to the almost buyers to then go and make the decision and ultimately buy. It's also very important to focus on the numbers and not look at it emotionally. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about Mukesh, for example, who we work with Um When he was setting the policies for returns, he was fine. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do 60-day returns. Hold on, let me try at home returns. When his customer service person was away, and he went and worked in returns. He wanted to reduce it down to like one day and get rid of it completely because it was annoying because he was focusing on the returns that were coming in. And, of course, they became bigger in his mind. And he was like, oh, stop, stop, stop. But it's like actually looked at the numbers. The returns rate was really low. So yeah. you've got to be very careful that you don't focus yeah, so on I think it if you in the wrong way. If you look at the individual
1: order and you know, if you say, oh, you know, look at this one order in isolation, you know, we had a return here. You know, but if you have to look at the overall effect at the end of the month, we spent this, we spent £10,000 and we got £70,000 back. Fantastic. So it, it's, a, it's a big thing. And, you know, the returns policy is a, is a marketing cost. It's not a product cost because you wouldn't, you know, you know, I remember saying, turning around to, um, I don't actually think we said it to Mikesh, I think we said it, you know, privately in my, my own head. But I was saying, look, there's no you know, there's no risk here because, we we, you know, if we don't have a really generous returns policy, we're not going to have any customers to even worry about because no one's going to buy. Mm. You know, we've got to de-risk it. And so we kept it, we kept it big. And essentially, it was a case, you know, in any business, and obviously, returns policy is just one way of de risking it, you know, reducing the perception of risk. Because the other ways is like guaranteeing warranties as well yeah you know, and how you do that but essentially it's about uncovering the anxieties and all the friction We, you know i call them friction points you know what what would somebody what would stop somebody buying you know what would it be you know what happens if it doesn't arrive on time what happens if it doesn't fit me what happens if the color's not the same what happens if if it breaks after you know six months what happens if it doesn't work with this thing i'm buying it for what happens if i just really don't like it yeah what, you know all these things, and and essentially, you line them all up, and you go. How can I knock? As a business owner, you go. How can I knock that over? People will be anxious about. Is it going to arrive? Well, how can I knock that over? What happens if they don't like it? How can I knock it over? And you just go. You go with your best foot forward. Go big, go bold, and 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 and, and really try and be generous, knowing that in in every case, where Mark and I have have played with this out because it's a big thing we play with. We've always got much more out of the tank. It's never, I don't think in the 20 years that we've been doing this, we've ever seen an e-commerce brand turn around to us when we've said, you know what, your returns policy of 14 days is really, really poor. You know, you've got to go big, change it to 90 days. And that's the sort of thing we'll say. And let's see what happens, let's split test it. No one has ever come back and our own only com brands as well, and said, do you know what? That's massively
0: increased my returns rate. Mm. I'm going to have to pull that back. Do you know who the particularly the worst people at that are? Are people who run physical clothing stores, because people in physical clothing stores tend to have like a 14-day returns policy, and if anything bought on sale, they don't let you return it at all. And that's because in physical clothing styles, people abuse the returns policy a lot more than they do online. People kind of like, I don't know why, but it's it's kind of they go online and they go well we'll have the same policy online and it's different it's a different world. Um, well, so you obviously, have to be the, you know, at
1: the end of the day,
0: in your store, you can try it on, can't you? Yeah.
1: You know, of course, online you just can't try it on. I mean, it's it, it, it unfortunately you know, with a fashion business, you know, particularly women's fashion, it's 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 just part and parcel of the running an online women's fashion store. Mm. I mean, I you know, I I was. I remember somebody asking me a question at an e-com show and they said, what's the average returns rate? And I said, well, in women's fashion, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing like 40% return men's fashion, 20% homeware, you know, home return, maybe about 7% like home furnishings, mm. like soft bedding type things, you know, about 7% and, and then down to like, you know, electronics is like 1%, you know, and it goes further down. So, you do get some businesses that do have a high returns rate but it's part and parcel of the whole the whole Doing process
0: business,
1: yeah yeah it is really but remember it's a marketing cost mm. you i think that we, we often see people hiding their returns policy you're know, really yeah. sort of going oh, i don't really want i don't really want to do the return i don't I don't want to do it and hide it It it's interesting you know,
0: actually like it was one of the early split tests we did for a big big company, and they were trying to work out whether they need to give free delivery or free returns. And I think delivery was about $5.95 or something like that. And $4.95, I think. They, they actually found that people cared more about having free returns than they did about the delivery cost. So, we, could actually, we actually could make more money per order in terms of more profit per order by charging for the delivery uh, and the conversion rate boost by not having Free delivery was not boosted enough to offset the loss of that, but it was the free returns yeah. that actually gave us the boost that we needed. So it was in that case it was certainly the risk reversal or the perception of risk of buying something that they cared about more than the friction of the of the delivery upfront delivery mm. char- charge. So it's so, it's perception again. is important. Yeah, here, here, yeah. Here, that what you just said there. That
1: word. It's the perception. That's the absolute key thing here. It's the it's how people perceive that we are dealing with risk. Yeah. Now it's very much around the wording. So you know we, we were looking at a client the other day, and it, they're not, they're, it wasn't for a client. They are not a client, and it was called they're called Noah Home. It's only furniture and you know sofas and things. And on their on their product page, it says fast simple returns you know for their sofas Mm. and you know they're literally saying that right in the right place that we're saying right next to the add to basket button just above the add to basket button it says fast simple returns and so as a consumer you go oh great it's fast simple returns the reality was it was anything but it was it was not it was it was it was crap it was 14 days and a load of terms and conditions attached you know it wasn't free um, you know, it was it would had to be in perfect condition. I think you couldn't even open it. You couldn't sit. There. It was literally like the most bog standard returns policy that you could have ever had. But because they said it was fast and simple, the perception is that it's fast and
0: simple. So it's yeah. how you dress it up. It's how is, you dress is, it up. But at the same time, I think that's not good, is it? I mean, it's not good that they've got fast returns, Their returns policy no, I mean, is awful. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's it, people do but look they do I don't want you go you to read about it i
1: they do and i don't want you to think that we well, you know you've got to mislead your customer because that's nothing like that but in terms of you know you could just say and i saw the other the other day as well we we're working with a company that was selling refurbished iphones i'm looking at the market and that's massive unbelievable how big that market is mm-hmm. but you know there, there's some great great businesses doing really good things and you know a couple of them said You know, thirty day returns. Mm. But one one said one 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 that was leading said said it was a thirty day change your mind policy. Yeah. And they 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 highlighted that in a really visible way on the product page. Thirty day change your mind policy. And I thought that was great because they could have just had a thirty day returns. Yeah. They didn't. said thirty day change your mind. It makes you think. Yeah. Oh, that's good I can change my mind
0: yeah it's like we use the try you know, at home. There's no strings attached we, you know we use a yeah. try at home guarantee which is better than just saying yeah. oh no hassles returns because it it kind of makes them feel like they can actually try it and use it um, yeah the refurbished phones and, and if you look at all the all the big ones they all posh uh one year warranty and that's the big risk that people have with a refurbished phone it's like is it just going to work for a, for a month or so and is it going to get you know is it going to so gonna break and it's like well if they've got a one-year warranty on a refurbished phone that's good enough for me um that sounds pretty good so that's what yeah, they push. And you know what? And,
1: and but our, but our, we're working with a company now and we said well why can't you do two-year warranty because you know what's the terms they said because they said well the term of it is that look if it's you know basically the phone never breaks on its own mm. it's always because somebody's mm. dropped it or you know thrown yeah. it into the toilet or whatever you know, so it's always user damage. So we'd be quite happy
0: to do a two-year, yeah. you know, w- warranty. Because they, no, they don't cover and user damage, do they, in the warranty? It's not like no, you, it you doesn't smash cover it with a hammer you kind of go, "Oh, it's broken. Yeah. yeah.
1: So then the phone just doesn't magically break.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's fine. Do a two-year. You. you know, it's kind of like understanding what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at your market, look at your competitors and say, well, how are they de-risking it? And how, how can we do better? Yeah, you know, there's always a worry. I mean, the got, you know the other one we were chatting about before was sometimes that, you know, the answers are already there. Like, we're working with a, a cookware brand, and we were like, well, you've got you've you know I think your returns policy was reasonably good. I think it was a I think it was a sixty days. So we said, well, look, you know, when do people return the cookware? And I said, well literally within the first seven days okay well let's extend that to 90 because it sounds much better Mm. then the other one is that oh we've got um we've got a 10-year guarantee on all of our stainless steel cookware and i think i think the cast iron had a lifetime guarantee Mm. yeah it wasn't it was hidden you know it was hidden in the in the description somewhere it was like one little line in the middle of a paragraph it's like that's brilliant that needs to go right next to that add to basket button. So you had yeah. a tick, you know, tick in stock. Now, you know, next day delivery, tick 90 day, no quibble returns, tick lifetime guarantee, like bang, bang, bang. I like, think that you know,
0: the other side to it, though, which you should talk about is that when returns, just the idea of having to return something is so much of a friction that they don't want to, even think about it. So like we're working with someone who does emergency glasses, right? So they've got emergency glasses and you get them next day, you send your subscription and you get them sent the next day. So in that kind of industry, you don't want to, you want to make, you want to feel like you're going to get it right first time. So you wouldn't mm. say like 90 day returns policy on a house because people don't care about that. Cause they're like, I, I need to get these done. Do I need now. to get it right. I need to get it done first time. So in that case, well, that's the anxiety. The risk is that you're going to send something to them that's wrong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the friction and
1: anxiety in
0: that business, that
1: emergency glasses needed tomorrow, is if what's going to happen if it doesn't arrive tomorrow. Mm. So, so the guarantee is around that anxiety, which is. You know, we guarantee it will arrive next day. If not, you don't pay. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of guarantee. Yeah. You know, and you go, oh my god, that's horrendous. Yeah. But how many times does it actually not arrive next day? And you know, what's the cutoff? Well, they have to put the order in by three pm. Yeah. You know, and how many times have you not got it out next day? Well, never. Like like Domino's okay.
0: Pizza, they don't they don't they don't push their returns policy, do they? they? Obviously, got a returns policy, but they don't go. If you don't like the pizza, you can return it. It's like, no, I need pizza, I need food. I needed to get it here warm, yeah. and I, that's what that's what I'm worried about. It's like if I have to return it, it's a game over, isn't it? You know, it's so you've got to be yeah. you've got to be careful. So you, what you're pushing? You're absolutely right. It's you've got to understand what
1: are the anxieties and the friction points. What are people worried about? It's so true. Yeah, yeah, so true. So, so I mean, yeah, I think. Um, I think sometimes, I mean that you find that out in the reviews. That's a classic one because you go and look at the reviews of the emergency glasses company mm. and look at the competitors and go, "What are they moan about?" And they're all moaning about delivery it didn't arrive, mm. did not arrive on time. You know, or if it's it arrived but it was it was wrong. You know, they got a prescription wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what they're worried about. You, so you, you want always to promise get some that. delivery things in the reviews, but sometimes it's just massive and it just dominates everything. It's just like yeah. delivery, 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 Well, one thing that always comes up in those reviews and I haven't looked at thousands and thousands of the things now, is the is good value for money. It always comes up as as one of the top yeah. things is whether they believe it's good value for money. And I always think that's interesting because like let's say I'm buying a God, let's say I'm buying a, a sofa, right? As a consumer, I've got no idea about good value for money. I don't know what a premium sofa is or medium sofa or a, a one, but it's the perception of good value for money that you've got to get across. Like, and that's a risk, isn't it? They're thinking, sitting there going, yeah, is this is this good value for money? And so therefore that's what they're worried about. They're worried about buying something that isn't a, a good value for money. So the, how you yeah. increase the perception of that, is you, you you build up what? the value of it based around mental models that they have of a sofa. So they will go, well, what are they worried about the sofa? They want it to be sturdy. Okay, so we need to demonstrate it's sturdy. Maybe we can have a picture of a sofa with an elephant sitting on it, you know, and maybe it's the stain-resistant fabric. And then you can say something about the, you know, the, the fabric being made but uh, from Egyptian cotton. So you, you're borrow, borrowing things that have... Um, things in their mind where they have a perception of quality and then you are you're leveraging against that. So you, you have well, to build. Thing, it.
1: I mean ultimately value for money ultimately is that they they feel that something is you know is more expensive and they got it for a really good price. Yeah. You know the, the comparative quality I've got this for you know I've got this sofa for one thousand five hundred dollars and actually it's it's the value is it's it's you know this would be three thousand dollars retail. Yeah, You know, we're working with a blind company now, you know, someone selling blinds yeah. and the big, big blind company and the value for money there is that they're getting the same blind. If you went to, uh, you know, a, a you know blind shop, you know, or when, you know, somebody came to do that, you know, the made to measure blinds, they come around with the vans and they fit, you know, and, and, you know the, you, you'd be paying like, like treb, treb, triple the price for that. You can get this bet the same quality online for seventy percent less than you would be paying if you went to like you know mm. John Lewis or you know a retail a normal retail. So that's you know that's the value for money. So but in order
0: to do that, you've got to demonstrate value. You have to build and then value. You're and you have to somewhere. tell people. Yeah, you have to build value some way. I mean, I always go back to the Need Essentials model when they launched with the wetsuits, and they would say. You know, they launched and they said, look, we're going to have no logo on the website wetsuit. We're going to cut out all the middlemen. We're not going to sponsor any, any, any surfers. And by the way, there's three types of wetsuit. There's the cheap wetsuit that uses this type of materials and this stitching. There's the medium quality wetsuit that uses this materials and this kind of stitching. And then there's the premium wetsuits that do this type of stitching, uses this type of material and always do this. All our wetsuits are going to be the premium material. You'd be paying $2,000 for this wetsuit. We're going to give it to you for $800. You know, you've taken somebody through an argument for the perception of good value for money. And that's just like a masterclass in it, isn't it? So if you think about how you're doing that, it's important.
1: It is. I mean, one of the risks, of course, that would stop people buying is that they,
0: you know, nobody
1: would want to feel that they're paying over the odds for
0: something that they could get elsewhere. Even even very wealthy people. Even very wealthy people who have cool. all the money yeah. in the world like to feel they're not being ripped off.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are obviously scenarios where if you need something really, really quickly, like tomorrow, mm. yes, you might well pay a premium, but that's that's something completely different. But in generally, yeah, nobody wants to feel that they're paying over the odds for something. Yeah. So, you know, they are anxious about is this good value for money? Yeah. So how do you demonstrate that?
0: Yeah. Because I think you know, it comes across I mean, it as people, people fundamentally see that they want to be perceived as sensible people, and they don't want to be perceived as making a silly mistake, a silly purchase. Because then you get the buyer's remorse, and that's why buyer's remorse comes. And you're going to go, "God, I could have could have got that for half the price," or you know. Do you know what? And sometimes
1: when you know when when price is certainly an issue, you know, just by putting you know, price match promise type messaging. Mm. If that's, if that's you're something that's sensitive about people are sensitive about, by putting that, the perception is that you've done, you've, you, you, you are, you know, a, a, you are a good price. Yeah. Cause you put price match promise. And obviously, you know, there's terms and conditions attached. I think it's the same thing. Whenever you've seen businesses that put price match promise, and obviously that's not right for everybody, but whenever we've seen people do price match promise, particularly when you're selling other people's products, I said, how many times have people actually asked you about that? Quizzed you? Oh, I've seen it cheaper elsewhere. Mm. And they say, oh, like, I don't know, like t- twice. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, and it's like, it, it's not a thing. Like you think you're going to get, oh my God, we couldn't possibly put price much promise on there. Cause mm. People are going to call us up about it. You know, and obviously the price much promise deal it has to be, has to be the same returns policy, has to be in stock, same warranty, You know, same delivery, etc., etc., etc.
0: It's
1: very true. difficult for people to actually come and compare like for like. Yeah, and so people do, but
0: it's the few, it's the few most people have bought it, they don't care. As mm. long as they feel like they've got a perception of good price, they do it. The, the other thing to, yeah. th- to, to remember is that every page on your website is a marketing page, including the delivery page, where it talks about delivery and the... Uh, A returns policy page. And you think those people looking at those pages are doing so because they are anxious about the delivery Mm. or they're anxious about the returns policy. There's no reason why you wouldn't on those pages take some customer testimonials and put them onto the delivery page to talk about how wonderful delivery was. There's no reason why you wouldn't, on the returns page, to put people to say, "Yep, yeah, the returns policy was easy, yeah. quick, and divvy, easy to do." Don't take our word for it; And listen I'd, to our customers.
1: And you know, you know what the one of the biggest, biggest classic mistakes people make in e-commerce, and then and then the podcast stops. <laughs> Just on that note, <laughs> I would. I, I don't know if this is the biggest classic mistake, but it's something we see this a lot: is that the basket page, the shopping basket page. Tends to be the default Shopify, BigCommerce, Magento, WooCommerce, whatever your platform is. Yeah. The default basket with like nothing on it. Like literally, there's the basket, there's the product, there's the price, there's the buy now button. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's a lot of anxiety when they're in the basket. They're making the decision about whether or not they want to buy it. You know, and on that pay on that basket page, you've often lost all the information about returns policy, the warranty delivery information you haven't got any trust and credibility there you know no evidence that anyone's ever bought you know what would the equivalent be if that was a physical bricks and mortar store you know, if you're in a shop you know and you and someone's decided to buy something and they're walking over to the till it will be like you saying right go over there go down that corridor sit on your own i'm not going to help you with your decision you literally you're on your own mate buy it or get out mm. It'd be an awful experience, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, no information about
0: when it's going to arrive. What happens if it goes wrong? One of the reasons, you know, why it's such a, a naked page often is because on Shopify and some of the other platforms, is that when the owner of the website goes through the process, they don't see the cart page because they add something to the basket, you get this pop up from the right hand side, and then you go to the you go to the checkout. But they don't realise that the abandoned basket email takes them to the cart page, and it's a page that they probably have never seen because they don't tend yeah. to get the abandoned basket email. But that's what it lands you on. It lands you on this yeah. page. It's you know, what, happened page. Today, what happened today, right, was talking to a
1: client, and we and they're doing, I think, they're doing about three or four million um, online a year. And their second biggest, most popular page for their entire website was their basket page. Wow. Well, a basket page and their first one was the home page, the second one was their basket page. And they had a really low basket to checkout stats. Once the people had got into the checkout, they were they were basically buying. Mm. It was committed to buy. Like the drop off was nothing. But the but the, the the amount of people that had gone from the basket to get into the checkout was really low. Like about less than 20%. Like really, really low. Yeah, what was on that? But ba- yeah, this basket page was the second most popular page. Yeah, what's on it? Nothing. Mm. Nothing. No. No reassurances. No trust credibility. No anxiety reducing. No evidence. Nothing. Literally, buy it or get out, mate. Yeah. You know, really, really obvious stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's a classic page. You know that that basket page is where, and, and you think. You know, there's this notion in e-commerce where, you know, I, I, I think you probably hear it slightly less now, but you used to hear this like, ah, oh, you know, your checkout, you know, you've got you've got five steps in your checkout. It's going to be much better if it's a three-step. Well, do you know what you should do? You should bypass the whole shopping basket and go straight to the checkout. You know, because that's going to be faster because people want to get in, get out really quick. You know, and it's like I've never heard so much bullet bullshit in my life and unless you unless you um you know you're selling Tesco groceries and people are buying the same thing every week like mm-hmm. get in get out done fast but the average time people buy in an e-commerce business from you is 1.2 times a year mm-hmm. 1.2 times a year so and often it's an, it's an indulgent purchase they don't need to make it the deliberating do I want this do I not should I buy it should I should I not you know is it right do I need it? You know, the last thing you should be doing is is skipping the basket page in most cases,
0: mm.
1: and take them straight to the checkout. Because what happens when you go straight to the checkout when you add to basket, when that stupid thing f- slides in from the right? You know, on Shopify, mm. you go straight to the checkout. You're what you've you've shown them this daunting form. You know, put your email address in. Give us your address. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't even know if I want it. When's it going to arrive? I don't even know. What's the return policy? What's the guarantee? Do I want mm. it? Is there an offer architecture? Like, you're
0: not ready. Particularly. not ready yet. Particularly now on the basket page on Shopify sites, you can have all those, those one-click buy buttons. So you can have all the information on the basket page about all the reassurances and all that kind of stuff, and you can make the products really big. And then they can click one of those one-click buy options and just bypass the checkout and just get done. So you can have much more flexibility to kind of, communicate on the basket page to actually why they were buying they don't even have to go through the checkout a lot of the time yeah because it's
1: well look at this done. in this example here you know they, they got this client had got a, a 18 like percent basket to checkout right wow the checkout to order rate was like 95 percent yet there's been no thought at all Around that basket page, and in fact, they were trying to skip it. They were trying to do this slidey thing, mm. you know. And it's it's it, What are they selling? It's a mistake. It's often a mistake. Um, home for homeware,
0: like right? Sofas
1: and beds and mm. stools and things like that.
0: Mm. So there's obviously a lot of anxiety yeah. about making a big purchase and actually going through yeah. with it. And they're trying to configure it and work it out, and then they and then you just then you just lose them because. Yeah. you know they sound like I'm not sure if I've got everything right whatever it goes wrong um, and those kind of things yeah makes sense yeah. makes sense alright well thank you very much Ian we've banged on for about 40 minutes and uh, yeah time to, Good. time to get on the Important day topic yeah
1: get it done go and uncover your anxieties
0: yeah awesome guys thank you very much thank you